Welcome to another episode of Lunch with the Shark. Join us as we dive deep into discussions about business, accounting, and finance to help you build a business that thrives. Now sit back and have a bite with your host, the Shark CFO, Vidal Espinosa. Well, hello, hello. Welcome, welcome to a new edition of Lunch with the Shark. I am your host, Vidal, the Shark CFO Espinosa. And TGIF people, TGIF. Thank God it's Friday, uh, Friday, March 19th. Damn, we're in the last 10 days of March. Today's the last day of winter, uh, according to Mother Nature. And tomorrow will begin first day of spring. Can wait. Actually, I used to not like that much spring and or winter, uh, summer. But I am so much looking forward for, to spring and summer this year. I don't know why. I, my favorite uh, season, it's fall. Actually, I love fall. I love Christmas, uh, winter. But I feel that this winter has dragged on like forever and ever. In secula seculorum. Damn. Uh, it's been a long winter. I don't know why. I don't know if that's what you feel that this winter has dragged and dragged and dragged. It's like a Duracell bunny. It keeps going and going and going and going. I don't know if you're familiar to that about with that commercial. I don't think it's Duracell or it's, uh, yeah, I think it's Duracell. The little bunny that keeps going and going and going. That's how I feel with this winter. But let's, what do we celebrate today? Today we celebrate National Let's Laugh Day. I'm pretty sure you're laughing about my Duracell bunny uh, analogy with the winter. So let's laugh. Laughter is the best for everything. Dude, we need to laugh about everything. Even if, if you fall, what happens when you fall down? Everybody around you, yes, might get concerned, but they laugh. It's human nature to laugh when somebody falls. I don't know why, but you immediately start <laughs> like giggling and then you completely crack up. Even people that fall, after they fall, they start laughing. First they cry, they hurt, and like, oh my God, it hurts. But then you laugh. Oh, I fell because I'm dumb or something like that. But don't call yourself dumb. So it's National Laugh Day. So let's laugh. Let's laugh at everything. Don't be so serious, serious. Don't be serious about your life. Don't be serious about your business. Don't be serious about your everything, everything in surroundings. Just laugh at it. If you look your life through another lens and through another perspective, it's so easy to bear and handle instead of making it complicated. Also today it's National Poultry Day. So if you are not Catholic, because Catholics supposedly we have to eat seafood or, or nothing related with tree or beef, that's my belief, uh, go ahead and eat chicken or any, any game. It's National Poultry Day. Today, also worldwide, it's National Red Nose Day. If you're not familiar with this, this is for, uh, I think it's for cancer patients, kids, cancer patients. Uh, there was a doctor that uh, 
did this. He used to go around. Uh, there's actually a, a movie, I think, Dr. Patch Adams, and he used to go around uh, um, uh, medical facilities uh, wearing a red nose. So even at that laugh, it's not a laughable matter. Don't get me wrong. It's not a laughable matter, but let's look at it through another perspective, okay? I know it's easily said, said than done, but let's, let's uh, uh, try to work through it. And also, we celebrate National Nurse Day. We must celebrate them this year. It's been a year, I think it was yesterday, since the whole, pretty much the whole world stopped. Business, the economy, schools, life stood still. But nurses, doctors, uh, uh, first responders were there for everyone. So to our nurses, we, we uh, thank you. Thank you for everything you do. Thank you for taking care of our patients. Thank you for taking care of our family. Thank you for giving us hope when we are not feeling that great and we visit a hospital, we visit a, a doctor's office, you nurses hold their hands, you nurses uh, help us get better and continue laughing. But with that said, let's move into our, 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 our episode today. We actually have a very special guest today and he's gonna talk to us about what he does. And the, and the very first question that uh, before he entered, after he introduces to him, us, I'm going to ask him, what does he do to make life easier and laugh? What's the best laughable moment that he's had? So without further ado, let's bring in Bill. Bill, thank you so much for, for joining us today, for being our guest. How are you? From San Diego, from Rosarito, all the way down, all the way up to Boston. Hey, Vidal. Nice, nice to see you, uh, and uh, thank you for having me on. Thank you, thank you. Bill, tell us who you are, tell us what you do. Uh, uh, let us know who you are. Sure, uh, so uh, I'm lots of things. Uh, you know, I'm a dad uh, and uh, I'm a hockey player, but mostly professionally, I am a business coach. Uh, business coach. Yes, wow. I, help, I help businesses grow. Uh, I'm not an executive coach. I work with the entire team, not just one person. Uh, and I teach them a framework on how to grow a healthy and thriving organization. Amazing. A healthy and thriving organization. Don't we all need one? Yeah, maybe both. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. So I don't know if you heard. Today we celebrate National Laugh Day. Mm-hmm. What do you do to laugh through the day? Uh, knowing, being a parent, being a dad, I know uh, uh, that you laugh every single day with your kids. Well, my kid, my kid is uh, going to be 21 in a few weeks, so uh, she doesn't live here anymore. <laughs> okay. And I, I don't necessarily get to talk to her every day, but yes, she definitely brings me joy, uh, even just knowing that she's out there, uh, even though she's, you know, I don't know, three, four hundred miles away. Uh, oh wow! That definitely brings me joy. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's great. So I'm pretty sure you laugh every single day, or you take life very serious. 
I try to. Uh, I try to laugh every day. Uh, you know, I'm I'm an Irishman. We don't generally take life very seriously. I think as an entire culture. Oh, uh, Happy St. Patrick's belated St. Patrick's Day. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yep. My uh, I'm I am well as much as you can be. A hundred percent of anything these days with 23 and me, you know, my family goes back many, many generations from Ireland. So I'm supposedly a purebred. Um, wow. I'm hundred percent wow. Irish. Yeah. So, but thank you very much. So, so you're a business coach. Mm -hmm. Why do we need a business coach? That, that, that's what a lot of people ask. Like uh, uh, most business owners know everything. If not all business owners know everything. For sure. Well, you don't need you don't need a business coach. Um, but if you look at the greats of anything, um, generally they have a coach. You know, Michael Jordan has a coach. Wayne Gretzky had a coach. You know, pick your awesome elite sports uh, person. They had a coach. They might have had multiple coaches. Uh, you know, in business, uh, many great business leaders had coaches. Steve Jobs had a coach. His name was Bill Campbell. Bill Campbell also coached uh, Sergey um, and Larry from Google. Uh, you know, so lots of really great folks have a coach because you you can't really you can't really do it all. And we don't see you know, we sort of have a blind spot of ourselves. Um, and a coach sometimes can help you look at things that, in a different way than maybe you you did before, as well as obviously share with things share things with you that you didn't know either, uh, or ask questions that you hadn't even pondered before. That's my I'm very Socratic in my approach. I ask a lot of questions, basic, simple questions that really go around focus around the word why more than anything. It's all about the questions that you ask. Yeah, it's all about asking so you can gather the information and guide them. And, and you're 100% right. Uh, most successful, if not all successful individuals throughout history have had a coach, an advisor, mentor. And look where they are. Like if, if you're into sports, you must have your, 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 your best, uh, your idol or your best uh, sport team player or team. And what do they have in common? They all have a coach. Yep. Somebody's directing them. Somebody's making them accountable. Yep. Right? Yeah. So what 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 would you say it's been your biggest challenge with the people that you coach, the teams that you coach? Yeah, so um yeah, uh, I think the thing I've found most, so I've studied business for over 30 years now <laughs> wow. and really a lot in the last five or six, really looking into success. Why, you know, why people succeed, but also why people fail. And I'll tell you, <laughs> there are many, many, many more ways to fail than there are to succeed. Uh, I don't think three or four years ago, I just typed into Google saying, hey, you know, give me all the reasons that businesses fail. I just started writing them down. And I think I got to about 35 and I just cool. stopped. It's like, just, and there were more to go. It's like, there's just a ton of ways. But um, I think the biggest one is probably goes around the uh, what some call the undisciplined pursuit of more. Uh, you know, most businesses die of indigestion, not of starvation. 
Uh, and there's a great saying, I think this guy, his name is Edward Abbey, and he said, growth for growth's sake is the ideology of a cancer cell. Hmm. And a cancer cell often kills its host. So, right. you know, if you just do it in an undisciplined way, you'll start to grow wide and chase revenue as opposed to really focusing on the things that drive the most important financial numbers in your business, which is profit and cash. Um, you know, cash has to precede growth uh, and it should be your primary financial metric for growth. Uh, so you can understand what you want to do to grow and then you should say, how much is all that going to cost? And then build your plan to do that. Cause there's um, your best customers, your most valuable customers are 16 times more valuable to you than your other customers. Right. So, you know, don't get more customers, get more of the right kinds of customers. Exactly. And people, people always are looking and chasing. You said it right. Revenue. I want to increase my sales. I want to increase my sales. I want to increase my sales. However, it's necessary or done. And they grow, 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 grow. If they grow and they throw money at it and they have no freaking idea what they're throwing money at it. They have no freaking idea. If the revenue is coming in, I'm just keep invoicing. There it is. And it's growing, it's growing, it's growing. And at the end of the day, it's like, where the hell is the profit? Where the hell is the money? Yeah, I agree. I, I'm going to go back to what I was doing five years ago, and I'll probably have more money in my pocket. Guess what? You're right. Because you have no systems. You have no procedures. You have not a, a, a replicable model. Like, So how do you make the business owners that you coach and or the team – realize that hmm. uh well like, i don't because, think I, yeah uh -huh. i i don't think i can make anybody do anything um right but i give them lots of examples and i and you know and just sort of bring them through the process that says here are how the best custom here about here are the best companies that last you know generations and centuries why they why they are the way they are um and there's a pattern that at least i've found that they do the same few things really well. And I'll give them lots of good examples. You know, the best company uh, until, uh, best public company in the US anyway, uh, is an airline, that's Southwest Airlines. Um, they have been profitable up until, up until last quarter uh, because of COVID. They were profitable for 49 straight years. Every quarter, never missed a quarter. And they focused on one customer, which was the person who was going to take the bus instead of a plane. And they created a service that would entice them to travel by air, which was faster for, for them and certainly easier for them than going by the bus. And so they created this hyper-efficient model where they could keep their prices low. Um, they certainly put us through lots of they make us go over hurdles and things, right? With the the cattle car kind of model, and you know they only serve you salt and sugar on the plane and packages, and you know you can't pick your seat and all these things because that's more efficient. That allows them to keep their their um their their costs down because uh, most airlines are in the process of constantly going out of business. <laughs> right. uh, you know, just to try to get more money from the government. You know, it's it's their, it's one of the worst run industries. Uh, on a regular basis, and and Southwest has really bucked the trend because they focused on you know a certain kind of customer, 
And and guess what? There are lots of those people, and so they've done really well. Uh, so that's what I do. Is you know I try to point it out, and if they start to see that, you know, interesting, all this data starts to pile up. Like, well, maybe I need to change my ways, or maybe I just need to do more of what I'm doing. But but how can you like what what I what I see with our at least with our customers in general, and and it, this is not to criticize our clients and or the business owners, entrepreneurs, is that most of them are seeking to reinvent the wheel. And they say, I don't really care what other companies, even though there's a proven model, even though that they've been successful, they want to be the next, uh, um, I don't know, they want to be the next CEO that reinvents the wheel and finds a new model to generate wealth and profit. And instead of focusing on not copying, but implementing a system that it's proven to work. I, I have clients that want to buy a franchise, but they don't know how to follow uh, uh, procedures. They want to jump from number five to number 20 and then go back to number 10 and say, why the fuck this is not working? Yeah, well, again, you know, they're, they're focused on the wrong things. Um, one of the things that I tell uh, leaders is, is my job is to get you to fire yourself from the day to day. Once, once you get through that knot hole and, and you really kind of figure out your business model a little bit, there's some predictability in the business. Your job is not to run the business anymore and keep removing yourself from that because your job is to predict the future of the business, which, by the way, might include a different kind of model. That's perfectly fine. Um, but often what we do is we don't, we don't come to that conclusion by gathering information and talking to people. We sit in a room and decide. Um, and then we we sort of try to sell that idea to the two most important constituencies, which are our team members, our employees, and our customers. And most of the time, they're not buying in. But how can you make the the the, the business owner face uh, from that thing of do you know what I created the company so I can be busy and occupied instead of sh and shifting that mindset to hey I'm gonna go sit down, relax, focus on, on on the growth and predicting growth and taking this company forward by not being hands-on, by not being occupied, by not being busy, by not generating stupid little tasks that are not generating, and in my belief, generating uh, 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 money. Yep. Again, I don't make anybody do anything. I pick my clients. Uh, yeah, so I, I know I know that you cannot change behavior by yourself. It's really hard to do, and it right. takes a long time. So, so what's I don't the process of coaching people. with you on that? Like, what would you, what what would be the process? How do you show them? Because I'm very cold and cut cut cutthroat, and I fired from their business owners. Like I've said, you know what? Straight to their face, you are the problem of this company that can go bankrupt, and you <laughs> are. So you either step out or we're done. And sure. they fire me and they call me a week later and you know what, you're right. You you were right, like come back. Uh, I, I, can't, I, I can't imagine how often that happens. My guess is it doesn't happen quite that often because most people are the hero of their own stories. So uh, to have someone who, who's, you know, sort of their own humility is hard, right? We have, we have what's called a fun, fundamental attribution error, which is um, we think that when something bad 
when we do something bad, it's just a bad day or something. But when someone else does something bad, it says something about them. They're bad people, right? Um, so again, I don't, uh, I don't, uh, I have fired many clients uh, or not brought on clients because I'm looking for someone who's humble. I'm looking for someone who's a learner and I'm looking for someone who's comfortable constantly challenging the status quo. If I find through my sales process that they aren't those things, I don't work with them because I'm not going to, I know the, the time and energy it would take for me to convince you to change a behavior that, that you may have a strong belief in is not worth my time and energy. And you're not going to be a good client for me. And I generally work on referrals. So uh, I only work with people who, who I think are the, are the best clients. I haven't been perfect. I've certainly made some mistakes um, or I was lax in my process. And I'm like, oh, they seem like a guy. I'll give them a shot. And then a year later, I, I realized they're not doing anything. They're not doing the work. They're uh, they're not a good client. And I'll say, you know, I won't say that to them, but I'll say I had one client where I said, here's the deal. I've asked you to do these things that will show me that you're the leader that you need to be. And you haven't done them. I said, when you do them, because they wanted to keep working together. I said, when you do them, call me back and then we'll keep working. Cause that'll show me that you want to be a leader, that you have some humility, uh, et cetera. And you're not, um, sort of just doing the status quo. Uh, and it's, it's so interesting because when, when you talk about humility is people think that they're humble. And when it comes to when you have conversations and when it comes to actually uh, accountability, you, you're right. Everybody is wrong except me, the business owner. I am the owner. You work for me. You do whatever I ask you to do. Uh, even though you were hired to advise, even though you were hired as an expert in this, you're no longer an expert. I am the expert and you do whatever I want you to do. But why is my company failing? <laughs> it's your fault. It's your fault. Dude, yeah. you're here. You're paying me to kiss your ass instead of letting me do my job. Yeah. I only I ask one question. If a leader ever says that to me, I say, who hired him? Right. And that's it. I mean, that's oh my it. God. <laughs> Right, and then you hired badly. So again, it's your fault. You hired the wrong people. Then, it could be they also you didn't train them, and the business outgrew them. It could be lots of things, but generally, it comes back to the to the leader. That's right. why you're the leader, right? Is is you're in, you're in charge. You're in front. You're you're saying let's do this, and if you're not leading, you're how just, would you you're handle just managing or having authority. That's not the same. And how do you handle work and life balance? Like you personally and. If you see, like, look, Mexicans, and I know in general, some business, I, I'm Mexican, so I can I can uh, speak badly about Mexicans. <laughs> uh, Mexicans, we are trained as business owners that we have to get to the office before any of our employees and team members. We have to turn on the lights, we have to turn on the equipment, and we have to leave the office after everybody else left the office and finished everything in the work and turn off the light, lock the door behind us and go home. That's, that's how we are trained. That's how at least I saw it in my, in my house, in my house, my dad was the first one there, the last one to leave. And you're supposed to do that. It's your business, right? Yeah. How do you handle that? Well, I mean, personally and with your clients, like how you, Culture is strong. Yeah. So, you know, that's again, part of it is, so I, I don't, again, if, 
if you if you think your job is to run the business, then yes, uh, then that makes sense, right? Because you're running it. But my philosophy is your job isn't to run the business. Your job is to predict the future of the business. Now, now that'll vary between size and you know and, and the roles and that kind of thing. You, you, it's it's hard to completely fire yourself from your business and. But your job is to constantly try to figure that out. Um, and you know what you can do is, uh, I would say, first thing is, why don't you train somebody how to go and turn on the lights and open the door and start the day? Why do you need to do that? How much do you make an hour? So you're paying, you know, why don't you pay someone who probably makes a third of what you make an hour to do that? Because that's probably not a good use of your time. How, how, haven't you found that if you ask, the business owner, how much you're making an hour, they don't know, other yeah. than their their salary. Like yeah, if, if if you if you were to do an exercise with them and say, hey, let's see, how much do you make an hour, and how much would you make if I put you out, you focus and direct the company, generate more revenue and or generate more business, invent, research and develop, instead of you hiring somebody and then pulling yourself out. Like, they'll be amazed. We have a case of a restaurant owner that, according to them, their, their restaurant was crappy. They were not doing money but other than catering. And I said, are you sure? Yes, catering is keeping us afloat. They were actually undercharging an average $5 in their catering company undercharging every single customer five dollars per huh. and they were like so persistent say, no 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 we're making money in catering like no you're not right so how would you like how would you balance going back to uh, life and 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 family and business how do you balance that how do you manage yeah so i don't think i don't think that's the right question Okay. Work and life aren't the same. Right. It's all life. Then there's work, then there's play, then there's family, friends, fun. There's all this other stuff. Is So if you want to have a life, then you should make sure that you balance all the other stuff. But most business owners or most entrepreneurs, they start their own business because I want to have free time. Yeah. They don't know, <laughs> right. they don't know better. Yeah. Isn't it? Like, why yeah, did you start yeah. this? Because I want to have a lot of time. I want to be with my family. Yeah. Okay. That's a nice so idea. Have, yeah. Until you, you really get yourself into it. But so how did you manage to, uh, uh, to balance that? So I, I'm, so I don't work that much at all. Okay. Uh, I get paid an obscene amount of money an hour, but I'm worth it. I have five clients. Last year, I made uh, uh, a good amount of money, definitely top two, three percent in the country. I worked fifty days through the whole year. Out of two hundred and twenty working days, not counting weekends, I worked fifty days. Um, now, and the other part of the time, I gave away my time and energy. I did speaking. I did some other fun things. I did volunteering. I went to every single one of my daughter's swim meets in Ithaca, New York. I drove there you know, on a regular basis, make sure I didn't miss any. Um, because I did startups, I did 10 startups. So I totally know what it means to get sucked into you know, the business. Right. And, and, and that was a complete opposite of what I am now. Um, uh, but I loved doing that. So I actually didn't mind that much putting in the time and effort. 
you know, every three or four years, there was some sort of reward or mm-hmm. the company went out of business and I did it again. Luckily, I was, I mean, I, I, I was five for 10 or five for seven, depending on how you, how you count my contribution. So I was pretty lucky in, the, in, in that. But yeah, I don't, when people say, how do you do work-life balance? I say, you don't understand it. You don't understand the equation. Uh, it's all life. Everything is life. Work is one right. part of life. Um, they are not on the same plane. So do you want to, do you want, how do you want to live your life and how does work fit into that type of thing? I, I'm now in a situation where I've, uh, you know, I'm pretty able, I'm pretty much able to do what I want when I want. I pick my clients when I want. I don't need that many. They stay with me for years. I get to do all these cool things um, because I was deliberate in that. Now, when I first started, I was paid below the poverty level. <laughs> uh, That's interesting because a lot of business owners nowadays or entrepreneurs or startups, they want to be at your level or our level, or Bill Gates level is like, dude, everything it's on, it's, since it's on Instagram or Facebook or TikTok or whatever, I want to have that life instantaneously. I mean, that can happen, but that's pretty rare. That's, you know, win the lottery or whatever. That's not, it's not, it's not, I want, I do things that I can control, right? I mean, there's three things in your life. If you can control, you can sort of control and you can't. If you focus on those first two, you're a much better chance of actually doing something uh, and making making a difference, right? So I for us because that's amazing advice. Yeah. So there's three things, right? And and I'll get back to the thing you mentioned earlier uh, around, um, you know, helping the leaders see how they can use their time more effectively. So there's there's there are three things in terms of control. There's stuff you can absolutely control. You have total control over getting up out of bed, having breakfast, whatever. There's stuff you have some control over. You know your people and you can influence them, etc. And there's stuff you have no control over. Uh, I I study stoicism, you know, as a philosophy, and don't worry about that stuff. There's nothing you can do about it. Right? Just don't even have it go on your plate and spend much more time on the stuff you can control and then some of the on the stuff you you have some control over. And because you mentioned something earlier, you said, hey, you know, how do you how do you get them to see that if they spend their time differently, things will be better? And that's really hard. We don't we don't do well predicting the future. So I don't ask it that way. I say, here's what I want you to do for the next week. I want you to write down every single decision you made. I don't care what it was brushing your teeth, whatever, write them all down. And then I want you to review them and tell me which one of those decisions really mattered. Huh? It's only going to be a handful. I said, that's your job. Your job is to get rid of all the other decisions as much as you can either train people to do it or, you know, Steve jobs, you know, wore black turtlenecks and jeans because he didn't want to make a decision on clothes. Right. He just got rid of it. Um, right. I don't, you know, I've, I've found out, I read years ago that, that, that to set up a meeting takes eight back and forths for every meeting. So I, wow. I, so I use Calendly. I say, oh, you want to meet with me? Here's my calendar. Pick a time and I'm done. So anytime you can do anything. Simplify that, things. Yeah. Let's so, simplify things. People want to overthink everything. Yeah. And, and you're a hundred percent right. You cannot push somebody through the ledge. No. And expect them to change. Yeah. You have to do that jump. You have to realize I hit rock bottom. 
I am, uh, whatever it is, but you have to realize that it has to come to you even, even when you are uh, on the treat, being treated for, for any substance abuse or whatever. It has to be the, you yourself who decides to either take that jump or, or it won't happen. But, but that's one thing. So that's the middle one, right? You have some control over it. You can right. make it easier for them to see that, right? There's a, right. a great evolutionary psychologist. His name is Jonathan Haidt. And he talks about our brain is basically an elephant and a rider. Huh. And, and the elephant, if the elephant wants something, it's going to get it. The rider has no control over the elephant. And most of the time, our rider just justifies the action of the elephant. Right, because most of our decisions and most of our behavior is is out of our conscious awareness, and then we make we make things up after the fact. So, in, in this time of COVID, the masks is a good example. Many people decide that they don't want to wear masks for whatever reason, and then they make up reasons after. Oh, uh, the CO two is going to kill me. Uh, it's about freedom. You can't tell me what to do. Uh, no, that's not the reason you're wearing you're wearing a mask to protect other people. From potentially you giving them, getting them sick, uh, you know, it's like, well, the flu is the same, and then then they start looking at data. It's like, no, it's not. This is 500 times worse than the flu, right? And and so, but but that's what we do. We we rationalize things after the fact. So if you can appeal to the elephant as much as possible, and making oh. things easy, uh, making things so it's it's in the, they see it in their best interest, they're much more likely to change their behaviors. Then right. if you sort of wag your finger at them and tell them the data, and you must do this because it's good for you. Guess what? We do a lot of stuff that isn't good for us, but we keep right. doing it. I mean, I mean, the United States is the fattest country in the world, right? Yep. We have more obese people because it's just easier to, to take the calories. It feels good. It tastes good. It's hard to to be disciplined. Well, it, it, it actually, it suits us. It's 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 comforting. It's, out, it's yeah. inside our our, our, our box. And it's so funny because it, it, it just brings me to mind. It, sorry, Miguel Angel, my brother, he's a doctor, right? And, and he's super scared about COVID, but, and, and he treats patient, cancer patients, right? But, uh, and he's super scared about the, the sun and, and all the, the produce and, and processed things, but he drinks Coca-Cola like crazy. Yeah. I'm like, uh, there's a contradiction there. It yeah, yeah. suits you, so therefore it's okay. So, yeah, people say I'm healthy. Is, I'm healthy. Uh, I'm very healthy. I'm extremely healthy. You know, and they, and they run and they. Run. I say, but you smoke. Oh, but I don't smoke that much. I don't smoke that much. Right. So we rationalize. Right? Again, we're the hero of our own story. Right? Yeah. We always make a reason. I drink Coke Zero. <laughs> I drink Coke Zero. Yeah. It's been it's been very very enlightening. I. I super enjoy this conversation with you. Uh, you made a lot of amazing uh, 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 points, uh, ideas came across. I loved it. It's super enlightening. Uh, anybody who will listen to this should take a lot of nuggets from this, a lot of advice, just a couple of things that you implement, they'll be on, on a good path to success. Bill, do you mind sharing with us if you have your website or where can they reach if they want to talk to you or follow up with anything? If you can sure. let us know your website. Yeah, and you have right there in the little uh, I, uh, 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 a banner down the bottom. So it's Catalyst Growth Advisors is my my website. So it's catalystgrowthadvisors.com. 
all my contact info is there. I have I have a book that I wrote. I um, have blog blog posts about 130 blog posts that I've written over the last three or four years. All sorts of good stuff is on there. People, please go and read it. Uh, uh, get a hold of him. We all need a coach. We all need a coach. It's a must. <laughs> if you want to succeed, if you want to succeed. Well, Bill, thank you so much for 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 being our guest. Uh, every show we end up with a quote, and this uh, a show. This quote comes from Jamie uh, Diamond. He's president and CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase, and he said, yep. "Companies that grow for the sake of growth, or that expand into areas outside their core business strategy, often stumble. On the other hand." Companies that build scale for the benefit of their customers and shareholders more often succeed over time. They actually have a true vision. Yeah. They actually have a true vision. Yep. And that's what and you they need. know their mission in life. Bill, thank you so much for, for being uh, with us today. Thank you. And as I said to everyone on the Friday, unplug, decompress, Enjoy yourself and your family. Enjoy life. Forget about your business. Your business will be there Monday morning. Bon appetit. Ciao. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Lunch with the Shark. If you would like to set up a consultation with the Shark CFO, Vidal Espinosa, visit his website www.invictus-advisors.com and don't forget to subscribe on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and LinkedIn.